Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 104. I'm your host, Matt Lyons, and on this week's episode, Jan Gomes is now with the Nationals, Carlos Santana is with the Mariners, and they're doing all kinds of crazy stuff over there out west. Trevor Bauer had himself a weekend. Baseball Perspectives has a new stat, DRC+. We'll talk about that and what it thinks of the Indians, and of course, we'll answer your questions. Joining me for all that and more is none other than Mr. Merritt Rolfing. Merritt, how you doing? I forgot about the Carlos Santana trade, too, until literally just now. <laughs> That is the thing that happened. I don't care how long it's been. We're going to remember that, Carlos Santana and follow him. That, I'm personally find that, I find that personally insulting. That's get signed it. God damn it! <laughs> hey, let's start with that, just because I'm I'm insulted by that too. That's my main thing. Is that like you signed with this team thinking you were going to be on this upswing? This is your one big chance to sign with a winner, and then you're dealt to the Mariners, who are doing whatever they're doing now. Marinering, as is the norm. <laughs> But how does that make free agents feel about the Phillies that they'll they'll sign you to this deal? And I'm sure they promised Carlos Santana, like, oh, we're going to rebuild around you. We're going to be winning in a couple years. You got to come here. And then they do that. Um, I, w- I mean, that's a very good question. And I mean, it, it does it does kind of bring into stark relief the uh, how it's it, very basic. Like a, a lot of these teams more and more viewing the players as a commodity. I mean, it's always been that way, obviously, because they have the labor and the team wants their labor to win championships and sell tickets um also they're the i don't know sports are weird that way where they're both the product and they're the labor so it's strange that way um but yeah no exactly like more and more you like you you see teams that are highly analytical and doing things the quote-unquote smart way obviously like in this case you know trading to carl santana because reese hoskins is a train wreck in the outfield but they got to keep his bat in the lineup and for all his merits and being Carlos Santana, Carlos Santana is not as good of a hitter as Reese Hoskins, and he can't play DH because, well, we don't get into that because you know. <laughs> I mean, he did play outfield in the playoffs or the World Series. In the I'm World just saying. Series, though, is the biggest stage. Excellent point, Matthew. Yes, so it, that's a thing. Uh, no, I don't know. I, I mean, it's. I don't know if it's something that a it'll make free agents kind of look askance at the Phillies or anything because other teams do the same exact thing. So what, you know, whatever, I guess. So, yeah. Now the good news is the Mariners are probably more likely to want a prospect or something for Santana. So, I mean, maybe the Indians, I don't know, sneak in there and grab them just for the all of it and send them Yonder Alonso. Oh, I think that's a great, great idea actually. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a nice homecoming for Yonder Alonso after his epic time up there in uh, the Pacific Northwest. Oh, that's right. He was on the Mariners. I forgot about that. Yeah, he was that. dreadful on the Mariners. Yeah, Very see, good. there you go. <laughs> there you go. 
Um, so another trade that happened that's a little closer to the current Indians. Uh, of course, we all love Santana, but he's he's been gone a year. Jan Gomes is traded to the Washington Nationals, or in his first tweet, he called him the Washington Nations, which is good. Um, the Indians sent him to to Washington over the weekend for outfielder outfielder Daniel Johnson and relief pitcher Jeffrey Rodriguez. Johnson just reached Double A. He's like the same kind of outfielder the Indians have been amassing, like these these borderline prospects that are looking for a shot that, that might be good in a year or two. Toolsy, there you go. That's the word. Um, and then Rodriguez failed as a starter with the Nationals. He was really bad. But as a reliever, he had a 2.7 ERA in 13 innings. He's got a good mid-90s fastball. He walks a ton. Um, so this is what we got now. Jan Gomes is gone. Roberto Perez. I, I'd assume Eric Haas is going to split time with him unless they sign somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you feeling about this now? Jan Gomes is no longer here. Of all the people that were going to be traded, I didn't think Jan Gomes would be one of them. It kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, The rumor started, and then he was traded like a couple hours later. It was crazy. I think one thing that it at least suggests to me is, first of all, none of us uh, writers, fans, whatever, really, and even probably within the front offices when I have a really firm grasp on the actual impact of a good catcher, right? Oh, absolutely. In terms of just everything from blocking to calling a game to et cetera, blah, 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 blah. I mean, they're, they're involved in literally every single play throughout the game, and they can have a much larger impact. This is one of the reasons I think that Roberto Perez, despite his dreadful lack of ability at the plate received a, a you know a, a nice little extension it's not like he was expensive or anything like that and it's nice to have a good solid backup catcher um but he does i think anyway i have no way to quantify or demonstrate this but i do think he's better than his offensive numbers kind of suggest or even things like defensive wins about replacement or runs defensive runs saved or any of that really suggests i do think he's a better catcher than than a lot of I think he's one of the best of probably defensive catchers or at least has demonstrated in the past that ability so it all but I also thought that about Jan Gomes too is the thing right and he at least so, a little bit I mean Roberto right exactly. abysmal at the plate I mean just so bad uh I, I think it was two years remember what was it? it was 2017 where he didn't, he didn't have a base hit for like three months or something like that and I was there for it Matt it was brilliant <laughs> uh Thrown out, trying to stretch a single into a double. It was great. But I don't know. It seems like about the kind of return one would expect for Jan Gomes. We all like him. You watch him a lot. And he seems like a cool enough guy, but he's not. He's like a great player. And he was an all-star this past year almost by default. And like, you know, you read the papers around here in D.C. And it's like, hey, we got an all-star catcher. And like, that's a great way to write a headline, I guess. Right? So... I mean, he was a decent yeah. hitting for a catcher. Like he did like a, what eighty something WRC plus, but that was in the upper percent of catchers last yeah, season. He was, he was he was, a, he was approaching a hundred. I thought he was right around a hundred for in WRC plus. I thought anyway, he was about a league average hitter. Or yeah. oh no, he was over. You're right. Yeah, he was over. Yeah. So still, yeah. So that's a pretty good for a catcher. Right. Like as good as he has a defense and hitting average. That's that's like all you want. I mean, and I, I'm not going to sit here and say this is going to, you know, th- this spells the end for Corey Kluber as an Indian, or is he going to ruin Corey Kluber? Anyone who's gotten used to throwing to Jan Gomes, I have a higher opinion of whoever, whichever Indians pitcher liked him as a backstop more than to think that that was the only thing making him a good, making them a good pitcher. But again, like you said, he, he hits okay. He hits decently for a, for a catcher, and I don't know, I thought he was very, very good behind the plate, always. I don't know. I mean, everything I just said about Roberto Perez, seeing the return that came back for Jan Gomes kind of discounts that because 
what came back was not anything really top flight to any degree. You know, it was, as you said, kind of a fringy prospect, toolsy as they come and, um, and then a reliever. Having said that, I don't know, we've seen the Indians turn this kind of a trade into solid gold time again. So I guess we'll see. Um, it sucks. Well, I mean, even like speaking of Kluber, it's like the, would they trade like the Brian Ludwig that right. eventually got exactly. him or something? Uh, or that... that was a Ludwig deal, yeah. yes. I think it was the Westbrook deal. That, no, I'm sorry. It was a Vinny Pestano deal that turned into Mike Clevenger. The Westbrook deal. Right, yeah. So, I mean, they have a history of it, but I don't know many more times they can do it. I don't know what they're really finding. I don't know. I, 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 I have a high opinion of their ability to develop players. Um, maybe not so much relievers, but starting pitchers and hitters to at least some degree that seem to be able to get the most out of guys. So I don't know, maybe this going to be good. Maybe not. I don't know. But it, you know, I, I, got, I read a tweet today that it was just saying something about the, the MLB as a whole has done a great job of selling fans on the idea of potential um, instead of actual current production. This was in reference to the Cano deal. Um, I mean, that's, that, that's a big name for a bunch of prospects, and the prospects will probably have a greater impact on the Mariners than Cano had on the Mariners. I think he's very good for them. So, I don't know. I, I'm not going to sit here and get super excited about um, the, these two players that the Indians got yet because, A, I know nothing about them. The Nationals don't have that great of a farm system, right? I don't, they, they usually rank somewhere around the middle in terms of farm system. Yeah, they're not. They're not great. They shipped um, their number one prospect going to the White Sox, didn't they? For Adam Eaton. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they got they have a couple other guys kicking around, but like this wasn't one of them. So I don't know. It's it sucks. I I guess the emotional side of things is I've really liked Jan Gomes. I thought he was a cool player. And after what he did in twenty fourteen, he he just had me, I guess. You know, I'm always like, he'll come back to that, I'm sure of it. He is going to be an all star who somehow hit two eighty one with a three twenty uh on base percentage. That's totally tenable. He totally doesn't swing at everything. And I just kind of like the kind of hitter he became this year. I wrote about it a couple of times of how he became such a power sellout kind of a guy. And it was, you know, it was, it was like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to be able to walk ever. So I'm just going to try and crush the ball at every at every given moment. And it kind of worked out for him. You know, again, he had one of his better offensive years. So I'm going to miss him. But like you said, it might be an Eric Haas who, you know, he might actually be able to hit rather than just hit for a catcher. Yeah, and speaking of power, if you want Eric Haas, that dude can hit a lot of home yeah, runs. Exactly. Yeah, so... We'll see. Um, I'm not excited for what will promise to be at least 100 games of uh, – I don't know. How many plate appearances do you think uh, Roberto Perez is going to get next year? I mean, it depends on what they do, I guess. If it's just Perez and Haas, I would think Perez would be the starter. So 400 plate appearances? <laughs> there you go. Good a Lord. depressingly high amount. Oh, God. I would love him to just trust Eric Haas and give him a shot. The other weird thing I thought about – um, is that their their loyalty to Jan Gomes, which was great, obviously, because we all loved him. But yeah, but just think, start the most recent one is obviously Francisco Mejia. They didn't want to give him a shot at catcher because Jan Gomes was there, was there. And then I mean, you can go back a couple of years because with Jonathan Lucroy, if they would have said at that point, just guarantee him the spot or whatever, mm-hmm. you probably win a World Series. <laughs> it's just weird they had this so much loyalty to Jan Gomes to just let him go now. To save a couple million dollars. Yeah, I know, and it's and and I think that's the it's the save a couple million dollars. It's really the weirdest part too. Like you said, like it's it's been just a weird series of events, I guess, in terms of the the, the moves they've made around the catcher position. And I don't know. I just kind of saw him as a bit of a an anchor to the team. You know, one, 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 maybe not. He's, he's not on the you know on the level of 
you know, Lindor or, or like Kluber or anything like that. But like of all the players that I kind of expected to be here for a few years, especially after, like you said, the moves they made in not moving him or in moving highly tied prospects or not going after Jonathan Lucroy. Um, they just go ahead and do this. I don't know. It's very strange. I'm, I'm, I'm halfway working on an article about it because it seems weird. It seems like a weird move that I know that once it was made, you t- can tell it's probably not going to be the last one. Then we hear about all these ideas for trading a pitcher. And like, it makes me think back to like the late nineties when they didn't make the or they made too many moves to kind of keep the same team on the field as opposed to this is, it feels like the exact opposite. So it's not, maybe not a teardown, but like a weird retooling that, I don't know. Again, that's why I'm, I'm just kind of off put a bit by the Gomez move. Um, I mean, it's not like they can, you know, they're, they're not good enough to compete with like the Astros right now, but that doesn't mean they got to blow it up. Or maybe it does. I don't know. I've been thinking about that the last couple of days. Like, <laughs> there's definitely no way to compete with the Astros. You need to, and like, the Astros are miles ahead of anyone in terms of everything. Yeah, that goes back to that the tweet you were mentioning. That was by Jared Diamond about the, the teams are yes. selling wage suppression like they're they're selling it because it works that's how yeah, no exactly i mean it, you build it, by getting all these yeah, players smart. i mean not every team can can i mean not, the astros can spend like whoever they do have a very rich owner and they they're in a big right. market and they're winning a lot so they have a high revenue but not every team can spend like them yeah. so obviously the wage suppression is vital for a team like the indians it's a really fucked up thing to say quite honestly um but I mean, I think even more than that, like it's just the younger players are more talented now. Like they're coming right. up, they're immediately ready, and you control them for so right. long. So but until the the player, um, the players' association is ready to like protect the younger players instead of just focusing on vets, like this is gonna keep yeah, happening. No, exactly, it's gonna get because all they ever care about is just getting the vets their big payday when they hit free agency. But that's gonna happen less and less. Like eventually, you're gonna have to ensure that these these players and God forbid minor leaguers get some kind of compensation before they're taking off how could you say such a thing minor leaguers getting paid madness i, say. <laughs> I know right <laughs> how dare me I mean, that's it's eventually gonna have to come to that you got to admit it eventually that you can't have i mean it's like 30 years old is like the cutoff at this point where you're going to be paying people a ton of money because they've they've watched it happen so many times like albert Pujols and well that's the thing too like, that you think about like what does these players are so good so immediately already like an aging curve. We, we are used to a certain aging curve, you know, but like, does it, is it now an aging plateau? I guess like Francisco Lindor is already so good. He's what, 23 or 24 or, you know, so the, the, the most um, outsized example is Mike Trout. He's, he's, he's just hanging up 10, win, you know, 10 win seasons. He's, he's amazing already. How much better can he get? I guess, you know, I don't know. Like, how, how does it affect the Indians if somehow the position fixes it so that now control is no longer, Really, an absurd number of years in six years. It is really crazy to think that you end up with a team and you're just st- you're just with them for six years. And like, I can't think of a great argument for it. I can think of some bad ones. You know, they put all the effort into training you and when what and making you better. So that's a pretty <laughs> shitty argument. But uh, I don't know. I, I, I you wonder how it's going to affect the Indians down the road yeah. because if. If, if free agency gets goes full bore, you know, and then and, and yeah. every and everyone is just a free agent all the time, it's just going to make the rich richer. So I don't know how you make it more equitable so the small market teams can continue to compete because it's the only way they can compete right now. And what the other way, way they compete is by trading off the players you love the most, which, as I tweeted out uh, last week, it really sucks rooting for a team that's become surrounded by vultures every offseason, especially now when they start putting out these feelers for I'm, 
maybe we'll get rid of all of our players. What do you think? Like, I don't know. It would really suck. Yeah, it's weird being on this end. Um, like just a few years ago, that that core that Jan Gomes was in of Jason Kipnis, yeah. Lonnie Chisholm, Cody Allen. I guess we can count like Josh Tomlin. They like that core of when the team was really bad. That they're all at that point now where they're being dangled out there it just feels weird. The whole, yeah, that that whole I mean that whole core is basically going to be gone soon. It's going to be Jason Kipnis. Going to be the only one left now. You know, it's him and then I don't know. I mean, you know, the twenty thirteen ish season. Brantley, that's a big one. Brantley's gone. I mean, Chisholm's gone. Allen's gone. Um, which I did obviously. Yeah, and they're still a really good team, but that's like all the players that. I, I was really rooting for because they were here when the team was so bad, like yeah, slogging and, through it and keeping right, us entertained. Exactly. That's why 2016 sucks so much because now they're all gone. They're not going to win one with the Indians. Right. I mean, um, it, I mean, and Chisholm is stuck in the Pirates now too, so. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, so, yeah, that sucks. Young Gomes is gone. Um, I mean, the Indians have also been dangling out pitchers, obviously. Like you said, right. Corey Kluber and Carrasco and – and Trevor Bauer, which brings us to our next little mini story here. Good work. Um, holy cow. He had himself a weekend on Twitter. I don't know exactly what he's getting at with all this. I don't believe Trevor when he says he's just having fun. I don't think it's weird that he'd be quiet for so long and then he just starts doing this. But it basically started with him. Um, he said a completely factual thing to a fan. It was like, spoiler alert, I was better than Corey Kluber this year, which is not wrong at all. No. It's not something we're used to in the sports world seeing like, team said out loud that a player said he's better than his teammate i think if if cory kluber is just a regular person he probably doesn't care he probably knows too that trevor bauer was right um but it was so funny because i was on the way home from work when that happened um i saw i checked twitter before i leave work and i saw everybody talking about it and then in the car like 10 or 15 minutes later he was already on mlb network radio talking about it um with casey stern and brad lidge and they were just all giddy to have him on and they were they were so dancing around, like trying to even offend him in the tiniest way. Like before he came on, all they were doing is railing against him. Like, you don't do this to your teammate. This is terrible. Then he came on and he was like, well, I get what you're saying, Trevor and all this crap. And then there was one point that was really funny where um, like Trevor turned it around and he said, well, you know what I think of MLB network and you guys, right? And then there was just complete silence. Oh, that's beautiful. He basically just said like, <laughs> I, I don't know what was going through his head, but he basically just said like, you should be, promoting players like me with a personality and all that which i guess kind of works but it doesn't make it less annoying than he has a personality no <laughs> it's just kind of an annoying one a lot of the times right i mean um, i mean this is probably just evidence of two things also he's he's coming out of his shell over time and also he's training now so he probably has a ton of free time <laughs> like he can't lift weights <laughs> all day and throw all day so he probably just have a bunch of you know nothing to do all day so he's just gonna needle fans on twitter and i mean again yeah. he was right he was great this year. Yeah, there's nothing. There's literally nothing wrong with what he said. No, I mean, I it's guess the context more than anything else. That's all. It's weird. It's, yeah. yeah, I would say if, if it, it's it's more just something we're not used to. I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm not I'm not Corey Kluber. I don't know how he thinks. I mean, I'm sure he knew he was probably worse than Trevor Bauer. But guys at that level compete in such an intense way. I don't know how they're gonna, you know, embrace a thing like that. I'm not that kind of person. So maybe it. Yeah. Maybe this will be the schism that you know it, it just destroys the team from the inside out, and uh, somehow the, their best years were twenty seventeen or something. Yeah. So I don't know. It's a strange thing for him to say. Nah, that's not strange. I take that back. It's fun. I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I, I can't. I, it's really weird. I can't decide it's if weird. that's the type of player I want the Major League Baseball to promote. I want them to promote good players, but. 
I don't want to promote just guys who are just kind of assholes. That's not really a good. <laughs> it's I don't know. Image wise, it's not really a good thing. I, I guess it creates drama, and you you don't only want like. I guess if every superstar was like Francisco Lindor, that would be great. I think in the short term, but we all do want drama. There is a reason that, you know. The, oh yeah, his stuff with Alex Bregman is great. That's the kind of stuff I right. like that he's needling. Right, up. exactly. Yeah. Like, it's just like either in a veiled sense or just outright calling out an entire team for cheating. That's brilliant. Um, we could use more of that. You know, like if these teams. <laughs> Teams are just actively antagonistic towards each other, or if players were just meet, you know, like it's it it adds flavor to what's a, what can be a very boring game sometimes, I suppose. Yeah. And I don't think Bowers like his personality isn't even necessarily unique. Like anybody who I don't want to say like I know Bauer or anything, but anybody who, like grown up on the internet and was on forums before there was huge social media, they all knew people like Trevor <laughs> who would like who would take things just far enough where he could pull people or push people's buttons and the epic troll people, and then he backs off when he knows he's coming to the <laughs> I was boundary. just joking, bro. Yeah, you know. That, <laughs> right, exactly. It's a joke, bro. Yeah. And then he's so quick to, like, when somebody else takes it too far, he steps back and, like, whoa, look at this guy taking it too far. This isn't me. Yeah. I'm not doing that. Like, he's clearly trying to get those reactions out of people, and then he plays the victim. That's, like, the only legitimate thing I don't like about what he does is that he always is like, no, no, I'm not. I'm just messing around. This is just fun. I'm just begging the question. People like that are the worst. That's <laughs> yeah. true. Yes. I'm just asking questions. I'm just asking questions, bro. <laughs> That's the one thing. Like, I know he feels like he's this unique person doing all this, but there's so many people on the internet like him, and it's most of the stuff he does is fine. Like the thing with the drone where he tweeted out that he got his finger stuck in a drone. That was funny. And then he tweeted a picture of him flipping people off. That was great. That's the kind of thing I, I like. I didn't think – I take that. I didn't think it was very funny because it was – I don't know. Oh, I it was, it was It was almost funny, I guess. Because like, oh, I cut my finger <laughs> off again. And then, just, and then she just let everything off with that picture. I think it could have been <laughs> done more artfully. But again, I can't think of a way to do it more artfully. But there was definitely another layer there you could have worked with. I'm not sure how. Maybe a bit more. I don't think a sense of humor is artful. Right. That's not how I, I describe I, I, it. Like the bluntness is what's funny to him. Right. And I guess because I use Twitter so much, I'm, I'm, I expect more wordplay, you know. Um, I guess, I, I don't know. So, something more. I don't know. I guess, like I flipped my drone. and then he, Yeah. Some, I don't know. Something. I'm not sure, I don't know. Maybe even doing it in a way that doesn't. But I guess you couldn't really do it without having a photo because we need to see the blood. Damn it. We got to see the blood. If it bleeds, it leads. So. <laughs> well, the night before he was like going off on Paul Hoynes, which came out of nowhere. I guess probably because Hoynes was talking about the other stuff he did, but I get the feeling he was trying to bait him into doing something. Because oh, he posted that and left it for a while. Like he so badly wanted Paul Hoynes, Paul Hoynes or somebody to write this big long article about what an idiot it is and then just tweet oh. the picture. I don't think it worked the way he wanted no. it to, but. Oh, that was oh, yeah. I, th- I think yeah. it's just because it, I, I guess I, that was my problem. It was a little ham handed, you know? Nice hand, yeah. uh, but it was it. It could have been. I don't know. It could have been done better. I can't think of a way offhand how he would have done it better. But you know. yeah, I can't either. Like when, like when, like uh, like every time, say a president or someone famous dies, John Boyce or however you pronounce his last name, tweets out a thing that says, "Say what you will about so and so, I've got the receipts." And he, <laughs> and he tweets out a picture of like a heavily digitized piece, like a screenshot of something and you can't read it at all because he just runs it through Photoshop like eight times. So it just becomes a blur. I love John like, That's good. You know, like, things like that. But I mean, you, yeah. c- comparing anyone on Twitter to John Boyce is unfair. 
Uh, uh, right. That's, that's like his job right. to be funny exactly. and creative. So I, I guess I was expecting that because I'm, I'm so online so, so so often. And for someone as extremely online as, as Trevor himself is, um, or, or purports to be, I suppose. But really, he's just kind of a crappy Twitter troll sometimes. Yeah, which I guess is the closest we get with an yeah. athlete being that close to the internet. Um, so something not quite Indians related. We can make it Indians related. Do it. Um, baseball prospectus. They're they're smart people over All there. Right. They got them they good numbers. Good. They have a new stat called DRC plus, which is basically deserved runs created plus. Don't get hung up with the word deserved. What it you basically means is that, like, ladies and gentlemen, it's all you need to know. And <laughs> it, and the real stats are wrong. Indians are real World Series champs. <laughs> well, when DRA came out, which is deserves run average, I think, which is a pitcher yes. stat. All the comments were like, well, it's not what they deserve. It's what they get. <laughs> this is basically saying, like, this does, the gist of DRC plus is that it's not measuring outcome. Like WRC plus, OPS plus, and all the other stats like that. They're great. They They do have a lot of adjustments. But the bottom line is they're basically taking slugging percentage on base percentage, weighting them, and evening them out so they make sense. But they're still just measuring outcomes. So DRC Plus is trying to get at what's underneath the outcomes, like what causes all that. They rely heavily on strikeouts and walks. Um, they adjust for opposing pitchers, what I think is really cool. I don't think a lot of stats do no, that yet. Yeah, that's too granular for a lot of the stats too. You know, I mean, we're, we're only yeah. just now getting to the point just in terms of data collection probably where they, they can do that, I suppose. Right, which is a big part of getting at what causes outcomes. Like, if you know what the pitcher right. is and what they typically do, you can get a better idea of what what the outcome should have been based on their hit. Um, it's a step above, like, stat casts. Um, they, they mentioned specifically in one of their many articles about DRC+, Plus, they compare the predictive nature of their so many stats. Like, they're way ahead of... I don't know if you've said it on the podcast about how expected... Um, Woba based on exit velocity never no, works, it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they pretty much prove that too. I yeah. wonder. This um, just came like, to me. I wonder, and I, I I don't know if it was in one of the baseball prospectus, art, baseball prospectus articles describing this stat, but I wonder how large the sample has to be before it it's a clear one. The reason I say that is, you know, like you'll have a pit a player who goes into a slump for some reason. And if you look into it a little bit longer, it's because he somehow faced like, like the team went through a series where they faced like the Astros and then the Indians and then the Red Sox and then like the Yankees or something. And so they're just facing a bunch of Cy Young contenders for like a week and a half straight or something. And so they go like three for, you know, 25, three for 30 or something like that. And they're just terrible. And I wonder, I'm, I'm curious. And because, like you said, it weights based on opposing pitcher. I wonder how granular you can actually get with that, because that would be an interesting thing to look to think about if you could get that deep into it. I guess. Oh yeah, definitely. That because that's. But I don't. I, I'm. But with a set, with a rate set like this, you can't. You know, thirty at bats or whatever is just is probably simply just not enough. You know what I mean? Not enough stuff. Yeah. Well, this is it a rate stat? Yeah, it's I guess that's a rate, rate stat. Right. Yeah. right a rate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sort of. You know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Deserved runs created plus. But yeah, that would be neat to see. Because right now we can't... Obviously, it's baseball prospectus. They keep a lot of their like really advanced stuff under lock and key, so you don't know the exact right. specifics. But I would like to know if we can eventually see like different lengths. I of... know in the article announcing it, um, what's his name? Jonathan Judge did say that later in the week they're going to be getting more into the actual... The, the numbers behind it, which is, again... 
the the number one reason why baseball perspectives kicks ass and baseball savant does not because baseball savant's like don't worry about it these numbers say this it's cool and they don't tell us why or how <laughs> they're numbers like, look I, at them i i i'm pretty sure like i'm sure that like baseball perspectives doesn't have like the full access to all of the baseball savant numbers that like baseball teams do because that was one of the complaints of baseball mm-hmm. savant was we they're not it, it's it's coming out of a you know from behind a curtain basically, so this is their way to answer that I suppose. But because you know we, they can't get all the exit velocity stuff like that, they can get larger numbers that probably is already publicly available. But being able to see it all is going to is, is very nice at least. I'm just curious. As to, yeah, at least being able to see what, what's going into it. They do have a couple things like you can see the um, the park adjustments they use. Based on so they one of the other big things they do is they don't use like multi year adjustments they use mm-hmm. individual years because they're saying that like multi years punish when there was one year that there was a ton of offense in a park and then a couple of years where it wasn't like you're getting punished for that one so they, they just use single years to to I'm narrow down the environment too, you know um, and they do show that they show the different park adjustments which is kind of neat like you said I'm sure they'll they'll show more numbers as the week goes on um, and I looked at specifically the 2018 Indians for some of these stats. It's not too surprising who's one, two, and three um, in DRC Plus last year. Jose Ramirez, Francisco Lindor, Michael Brantley. Um, obviously, Jose Ramirez is 155. Lindor was 135. Brantley was 124. Uh, and then it gets kind of interesting after that because Edwin Encarnacion, by WRC Plus, he was quite a ways below Michael Brantley. But he's actually one point lower. He was 123 in w, or DRC Plus, which I, I tried to look at like – maybe to kind of reverse engineer what they're looking at. It's hard to tell exactly because he mm-hmm. was worse across the board quite yeah. a bit. He walked a little bit more. Um, he hit more home runs, but they claim home runs shouldn't have that right. much of a weight compared to WRC plus. I wonder, I mean, again, he hits the ball incredibly hard and I can't imagine. I, I mean, so there, there must be some kind of batted ball information, maybe not um, actual exit velocity and things like that, but like, you know, like on fan graphs, a hard hit ball is over 95 miles per hour is how that is calculated. So maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. I mean, I, again, I, I haven't looked into yeah. how they actually quantify these things yet, but that maybe, maybe that had something to do with it because he, yeah. I, it just seems like he hits the ball so goddamn hard because he does, but you know, <laughs> well, another one was Jason Kipnis. So his WRC plus was 89 and mm-hmm. his, um, DRC plus yeah. was 105. So that's a huge gap for him too. And then so maybe because his ground ball, he's one of the fewest who put it on the ground. So maybe it's like yeah. so, where they're hitting the ball. Mm-hmm. Like if it's a fly ball versus a ground ball combined with how oh, I mean that would make hit. sense for the closeness of Brantley and Encarnacion too, because Brantley's hit a lot of ground balls compared to Encarnacion, who you know, big fly ball guy. Same with Kipnis. I remember I wrote about that back in like June and July. Like the trend was there for Jason Kipnis to have some kind of a breakout offensive season just for, you know came to be i suppose yeah right. which is kind of what drc plus is saying that they're he's kind of he might be bound to next year and then Jan gomes is only 97 so maybe the indians right i'm sure they have things that are way more advanced than this but maybe they have something that's telling them Jan gomes is going to decline real quickly coming up and drc plus kind of points to that a little bit that he was below average, and based on the predictability, he's probably going to be below average again, maybe a little bit more because he's getting older. That makes sense, too. Catching is a wear and tear sport. I mean, I, yeah. it, not not to go all the way back to the Jan Gomes thing, maybe it does make a good a good idea to trade him a little bit, only because, you know, he's 30, what is he now, 32 or something like that? 30 years old? How old is he? Something like that. 
old. Yeah, that, <laughs> like, so I feel bad because I'm almost I'm 30. I'm almost years old. Man, all right. Like, <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, he's 30 years old. I would have traded um, you by now. I need to get. I need to trade you for a couple prospects. You're you're obviously on the downhill now. <laughs> uh, he's 30 years old. So I mean, that, that, I mean, that is an inflection point kind of for, for for catchers. I mean, he's caught a lot oh, of games. So. Yeah. He does have an injury um, history. And just for fun, there's no sense in asking who the highest season was. I mean, I guess, do you know who no, the I, best I, season I by DRC Plus by any so player yes. was? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> Jim Tomey's 2002 season. It's crazy. It's well, 191, and the next closest is Manny Ramirez at 167. My God, <laughs> Jim Tomey was amazing. Every time I look at his number, I just go, oh, yeah. He wasn't like... <laughs> Just because like our last our lasting images of him are like late two thousands, Tommy. But like early to mid two thousands to or nineteen nineties, Tommy was amazing to say the least. So, yeah, yeah. And the legendary Frank Duffy had the two worst Indians years by DRC plus on the offense. But I mean, those aren't even those are sixty six WRC plus seasons. So Roberto Perez, I, I should have looked. He might have been those pretty were close great to that years. Issue, but 1974, 1975, Frank Duffy, terrible. The they two were horrendous worst in the 70s. They had Gaylord Perry, though. And then they <laughs> the Indians must have been atrocious in the 70s. They right? had one of the most, the most perfectly built, yeah. 70s, 80s. Uh, what do you call it, clubhouses ever because they had um, they had Frank Robinson as their manager, and then their ace pitcher was Gaylord Perry, who was a very good old boy from the South. And they just did, they did not see eye to eye, to say the least. And then just a bunch of crappy players and just angry guys who hated each other and themselves just across the diamond. Um, so every Monday, we ask everybody on social media, Twitter, and Facebook, ask us questions we can answer on the podcast. Um, it's kind of hard. Uh, we're, we're in the middle of the offseason. Ask whatever you want. We'll try to answer it, baseball or not, at this point. Um, but we got a good baseball ones, just because so much is happening now. Um, the first one I asked you before the episode, I also don't know now, but I really want to know an answer. So maybe if somebody listening has one. Um, at slang EUG, he wants to know: Has there ever been another contending team that traded away an ace and gone on to have immediate success? Um, that's an interesting question because the Indians they might trade away Kluwer, Bauer, or Carrasco. You can qualify all of them as an ace, really. So to look at history and say to see a team that's done that I've and then went on to win right away. What is know. an ace? Is always one stupid question to ask. Um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you, you, I mean, it's hard to think of one. Like the thing is, we have to look at look at times after what nineteen sixty nine or whatever, whenever the reserve clause disappeared, because then guys actually had free agency. Um, I'm trying to think of teams that had success suddenly, um, that wasn't really a. Oh, I have a good one. The Phillies when they traded away Cliff Lee, because they ended up with Roy Halladay. <laughs> Well, there you go. You trade one ace for another one, you can be kind of sad. <laughs> Wait, didn't they have them both at the same time? Then they, well, then um, they they signed Cliff Lee when his contract was oh, up with the okay. um, um, Rangers after he went to the, yeah yeah he, he went, went to, to the, the Mariners, Mariners and was traded to the Rangers for Justin Smoke. That's right. Who I have a jersey yeah. of, by the way. I have a Justin Mariners Smoke? Smoke jersey. I do. Yeah, great name. I, so that's I, the only one I could think of. Um, because, you know, like, like someone like, um, I don't know, they, they trade away their aces because they were blowing it up, you know? Uh, yeah. 
mention this in an article and look at it more and that's a really interesting thing to look at i don't know was mark Pryor traded or he just kind of got hurt and faded away because they got, got good after he got away. hurt um <laughs> oh well what about the what about the mariners when they traded um they've never been good they won 117 games in 2001 <laughs> they traded um, griffey yeah well, they traded griffey and randy johnson oh yeah that might be um, one. How soon those two traded in, I think that was 1998, though. Oh, that doesn't count. Um, he was traded in 98. Uh, and the Mariners in 99. Jesus Christ, he was so fucking good with the Astros. Oh, good <laughs> Lord. Um, they went 76 and 85 the next year. 79 Ooh. and 83 the next year. Ooh. Then 91 and 71. And then 116 Ooh. and 46. Yeah, that doesn't count. Two years. Do you, if you want to put it in today's numbers, um, do you want to trade Corey Kluber now and be bad for two more years? I sure don't. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll look into that more. I think. Um, so the next question is at Dreaming Baseball, who's Quincy Wheeler. He's on Let's Go Tribe a lot. He's a lot of great fan posts. He asked, "A time traveler shows up and tells you the Indians traded a notable player at the winter meetings. If you had to bet on one guy to be that player traded, who would it be?" I mean, first of all, thanks for quite phrasing. This is just basically who's going to be traded at the winter deadline. Or the winter meetings, but thank you for yeah, making yeah, it more they fun. Give us question. some funky flavor to it. So yeah, yeah very <laughs> know, much appreciated. Right? A time traveler merit <laughs> arrives. <laughs> this is the one thing he chooses to do and tell us about this. I love this guy. <laughs> well, you know, we all have things to care about. <laughs> Jason Kittens uh, is my answer. <laughs> I'm, at this point, I don't think I can say a pitcher. I've already chosen that hill to die on. They're not going to trade a pitcher before the season starts. No, that that, se- that honestly seems really stupid to trade a pitcher. Um. So my answer is Jason Kipnis. Kipnis is so unmovable, though. I can trade Lindor. I can trade Ramirez. Edwin Encarnacion, is he notable enough? Could they trade him for a five-year-old slugger? Oh, yeah. He's notable. No, yeah, he's not true. tradable, he's, but he's definitely notable. He's not Yonder tradable because he was so, so mediocre. I think they'd trade Brad Hand. For more pitchers. That's a pretty good answer. Good work, Merritt. I'll pat you on the back. <laughs> Here's your pet. Uh, like oh, you answer. know, maybe speaking of notable names of the trade, um, Cody Anderson. <laughs> he's not notable just because he's sweaty. <laughs> Sweat he's is notably not sweaty. He is notably mention, sweaty. I will mention him every single episode at least <laughs> once. He, he will not fade from the zeitgeist. We will, we will know his name. He will be is back. He's still on the forty man roster. He is. He's still he a is. thing. He's still there. He's, okay. he's, he's on the DL. Well, I know, but uh, so yeah. So is Brad Hand your real answer? I don't think it's terrible. That's a good answer. No, I, think it's, I think it makes sense. I mean, a lot of control, and you get a lot more young pitching for him. More arms, and that, they don't need one arm; they need four, basically, for the bullpen. So yeah. Um, and then at jblog88, he just asks, how comfortable are you with the team's retooling efforts? So I guess it's sort of in general, Merritt. Like, how do you feel about I all this? I hate it. I hate the whole goddamn <laughs> thing. I think it's stupid, and I think it's going to go poorly. I've, I mentioned it before. It feels like the exact opposite move they did in the late 90s when they kept on trying to keep the same team on the field. Now they're trying to, you know, fiddle around with things. And, like, I, I – I, just feel like there's going to be a, a weird blockbuster trade. I know you said they're not going to trade it a pitcher, but I think they might fucking do it. Um, the thing is, you can trade Carlos Carrasco and I'll die, but 
it makes so much sense. He's already had Tommy John surgery like three years ago or four years ago. He's 31. Um, you can get such a haul for him with the amount of control he's under. I don't know. I think I, I think a deal like that actually makes a lot of sense, and I just hate it. <laughs> See, that's the whole that's the whole thing. It's all I hate this. It's awful, but you know, it kind of makes sense. It makes it. I mean, they're just they were so shitty in in, in 2018. Like, they were for a 91-win team. They were like one of the worst 91-win teams I've ever seen. They got there because on the strength of the you know the you know, what we saw them play against all season. So. If they go from 91 to 101 wins, which is the level they have to be at to try and actually win a World Series, they're going to have to do something drastic. And I hate that. But the, the the way they did it 20 years ago didn't work. So you might as well do the exact opposite. Because why not swing wildly from one side to the other? It makes things more exciting, at least. <laughs> middle ground. Uh, Who needs know, that shit? Middle of the road guy going to get hit by a truck other. going both ways. So <laughs> pick a side. <laughs> Yeah, that's I basically it. it's, it's, I hate it, but I get it. The fact of the matter is, you know what? Trevor Bauer has I, emerged as the ace of the staff, and Mike Clevenger is no slouch. So he was really, really good. And yeah. uh, I mean, he was what the third? He was this by some measures that you would call him the second best pitcher if you wanted, depending on how you want to look at it. Uh, and then Shane Bieber, I think, is going to make a big leap. So I don't know. I hate it, but it's a good idea, and they need yeah. more relief pitching. So badly do they need relief pitching. Yeah, it's, there's been several years where we've always said, like, they have so much starting pitcher they could deal from. Maybe this is the one year where it would actually make sense to do it because their holes are well, so large it, it's everywhere the, the winter, and we're going to talk about the same seven things for the next four months. I'm going to well, say it true. again. The Indians have a position of strength, and you deal from that position of strength if you, like, everyone agrees that no one is going to be any good in, in, in 2019 in, in the Central. I'm still a little worried about the Twins, but... no. Thanks. Appreciate that. Uh, it almost no. seems quaint now being worried about the off or the outfield a couple years ago, doesn't it? it does. When Michael Brantley was there, hurt or not, he was there. There was there's some hope there, there, and now there's nothing there. Whatever, right? I mean, it seems silly now. One of these toolsy ass dudes has to hit compared to them. <laughs> like one of them. <laughs> one of these like, ass and then of course dudes. we have Yandy Diaz. <laughs> let's let's never forget that he's there waiting. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, you don't care. Well, the Indians forget about him, so why don't we? It's fine. Whatever. <laughs> no, he's gonna. I keep forget. I do forget about him because the Indians never. Then you see that beautiful name. third baseman. Let the dude play. He has one home run. Let him flex on the hater. Well, bang! Digging a hole. You know, he hits it so hard the catcher can't get up. Single, <laughs> single, single. Look at that exit velocity straight into the ground. Making divots. <laughs> All right, Barrett, that's going to be our show this week. Another uh, classic. It was fun. The Indians are, are awful. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? 
Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.